and welcome to this episode of The Future of Schools, the podcast that explores how technology is impacting the classroom and talks to the people behind it. I'm Connor Flynn, your host and COO at Adapt2Me, and today we're discussing Pobble. My guest today is John Smith. Hiya, John. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Connor. Pleasure. Pleased I could join you. And for those listeners unfamiliar with Pobble, could you tell me quickly, what does Pobble do? Well, Pobble is a platform to help support teachers in the teaching of writing, really a set of primary age groups. And it's really a set of tools to help with all elements of kind of planning and delivering lessons. So great resources, lots of examples of writing, uh, tools such as kind of peer-to-peer feedback, enabling children to engage in other people's examples of writing and leave sort of comments and feedback. Uh, and then some great tools around kind of publishing work online, uh, getting feedback from parents and et cetera, and then some tools around assessment. But it's really, yeah, a whole kind of approach to uh, teaching writing. And you're UK-based, but I believe that you sell beyond the UK. Is that right, John? That's right. We have uh, well over 100,000 kind of teachers that use Pobble on a monthly basis, and we have about half of those are in the UK, half of those are abroad. That gives you an idea. It's really quite an international uh, audience. Very good. And John, can you tell me a little bit about your career and how you ended up where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm an engineer. I I graduated from university, you know, in engineering and spent the first kind of few years of my uh, professional career doing, um, you know, large engineering projects. So I was a chartered civil engineer and project manager building airports and railways and and those sorts of things. Um, And one day I got a call from my brother, Henry, who was a school leader and uh, an English leader, in fact. And he had this, um, he just had this really simple idea that um, he he wanted to develop some tools to help support him in the teaching of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, We got talking, you know, and I really helped kind of helped contribute to build that first kind of version of their of the website that he was thinking about. And that was kind of how I got involved in Pobble. So it was a very uh, chance kind of thing. Um, but, you know, the more I, the more I, you know, started to work with Henry and saw the kind of impact of what he was, what he was kind of working on. And there are a couple of other teachers as well involved. Um, yeah, it really drew me in. I absolutely loved seeing the impact of, uh, you know, Pobble on the children that, that they were working with. And so very quickly, I kind of got bored of my uh, current career and shifted, career, shifted careers. Um, and obviously now, um, now I'm working on Pobble full time and, and it's, you know, a huge part of my life. So. Excellent. And it's interesting you're saying you're from an engineering background. My business partner also comes from an engineering background. Um, I'm wondering, could you tell me, did you find it difficult to switch the mindset from an engineering mindset into an educationalist mindset? Or have you switched or is there any switch necessary? Well, I think for me it was for me it was quite straightforward. I mean, I, I come from a family of, uh, you know, my my father's an educational psychologist. Many of my, uh, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents, whatever, sort of in psychology or teaching or some kind of educational thing. And so I think I I'm naturally inclined to uh, enjoy thinking and you know working with people and seeing how people develop and how people learn. Um, and so. I, I think as soon as I was exposed to seeing what was going on in schools and, and you know, how Pobble could influence that, it, it was really easy for me. I, I remember the moment, actually. I was, I was in the UAE 
because um, uh, that's where I was working. And I used to do a lot of musical theatre, uh, I happened to. Anyway, I sung with lots of teachers. And so when we first started developing Pobble, I asked some of my, uh, you know, the people in the kind of choir, look, you know, what do you think about this tool? Would it be useful in your schools? And they were really positive. They gave great feedback. I said, yeah, absolutely. And so Henry, my brother, came out to visit us uh, in Abu Dhabi. And we arranged to go and visit one of the schools that my, uh, you know, that one of my silly singing colleagues was teaching at. And I just remember the moment really clearly, sitting at the back of the room, watching Henry at the front, watching all the children kind of file in. And Henry, you know, is my older brother. We've spent our years kind of growing up and teasing each other and everything else. Um, and he kind of transformed into this amazing character. On, you know, it was almost like he was on stage. He was like, you know, hello, you know, boys and girls. Um, you know, I'm going to run this, you know, amazing writing workshop for you today. And we're going to use this new website that we've been developing. And I remember the moment that he sort of said to the children, look, today we're going to do a piece of writing, but today's going to be a special day because if you do a great job today, your writing might be published on this website and seen by people all over the world. Yeah. And it was like, you know, the whole room was transfixed by what Henry was saying. It was, so, it was amazing to, to kind of see that impact. And I think that was the moment for me when I was thinking, wait there, you know, my career what I'm currently doing you know what is that really what impact is that having on the world yeah. and I just absolutely loved working on Pobble from that moment on I was convinced that right this is what I need to be doing and dedicating my my effort and life to excellent and um, can you tell me a little bit about your successes you're talking about from the start there in the UAE seeing the impact on a classroom can, can we move a little bit broader and talk about what are the successes that you've had with Pablo? What are the moments that were, wow, we did something special here? <laughs> well, I mean, there's been, a, there's been loads, of, loads of different things that I think we, you know, we, we as a team feel really, really proud of. Um, I think not least just knowing that, you know, that many people, you know, well over 100,000 people every month uh, pushing now to 200,000, um, come to Pobble and gain, you know, value from using uh, elements of Pobble. And that is just absolutely, you know, phenomenal. Um, but I think in terms of like, you know, real moments, we, we were invited last year to present on the main stage at BET. Mm -hmm. And, you know, BET is an absolutely enormous conference. And, you know, when they, when they kind of said, oh, we're looking for people to come and speak, uh, you know, we applied, not really thinking that we'd have a chance of, of, of actually getting up there. Um, but what, what's so wonderful, I think, about, you know, the Pobble story is that it came from the classroom. Like, this was just something that my brother and a couple of his teacher friends were doing anyway, mm -hmm. and it's become something that sort of spread all over the world. And that story of, um, you know, a teacher having an idea, then, you know, calling up his brother to help him kind of build the first, the first piece of it, and then making that actually kind of into something that can be so global um, was someone that really appealed to the, to the better audience. Um, and so we were invited, actually, Henry, Henry, my brother, was invited up to speak on the main stage and kind of share some of that story alongside, you know, a famous author and a couple of head teachers. Mm -hmm. And it was just an amazing moment sitting there with over a thousand school leaders watching my brother Henry, mm -hmm. uh, you know, talk about, you know, his journey and what we've, what we've been doing. It really, it really hit home, I think, the, the sort of the size and scale of what we've achieved and how many people are interested um, in that story. It was, it was really great. Excellent. Um, and can you tell me, how old is Pavel at this stage? 
So really, we, we launched the kind of the current sort of main version of the platform in 2015. Okay. Everything before that was kind of testing and things yeah. like that. So we're really getting into sort of three to four years of operating the current platform with the current sort of set of tools. And in those three to four years, I, I presume you've had quite a few challenges. How, can you tell us about any of them? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think building a startup is is just generally really challenging. There's so many different elements, whether that's um, from you know getting your hand, head around how to actually finance uh, and grow a startup and build a business and convince you know customers to pay for what you're doing. Um, they they've been real challenges. I think people as well is is really really hard finding the right people that are mission aligned. Uh, to come and sort of join that journey, um, you know. Unfortunately, you have a lot of uh, a lot of failures there. You you hire people and they don't turn out to be quite the right people, or you hire the people, um, but actually you realise that you need to move in a different direction. And so, those types of um, you know challenges are, are really hard. It's really 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 challenging. Um, there's not really one particular thing that I that kind of springs to mind as like you know a main challenge. I think that I think it's just it's about you know, having a very clear vision of what you want to achieve and then continuing to uh, work on that every single day. And that's really the, the key to success, I think, is like really um, being very clear about what you want to, you know, want to achieve and just being very resilient to the challenges. Mm. You know, there's going to be challenges every single day. You've just got to take them, solve the next one and move on to the next thing. Um, and that's really been key for us, I think. It's interesting there you talk about changing direction, yet having a clear goal or clear picture or vision of where you want to go. Um, a criticism level that a lot of educational startups is they tend to be very mission driven, but can be lacking in flexibility. Can you tell me about some flexibility that Pobble has shown in order to be successful? Yeah, what, one of the benefits we've had is that because we launched something very early on to real customers, mm -hmm. uh, we got lots of feedback right from day one. Like we've always had plenty of feedback from users using Pommel. Um, and that really drives a lot of the decision making that, that, you know, that we make. Um, and I think that's key. Like you have to listen, you know, you've got to be flexible in the sense that you listen to your customers, to your users. Um, and that has been an absolute core thing for us, I think, over, over the last few years. Um, you know, whilst we have a very clear mission of, you know, improving writing, like writing is the thing we want to help um, people to improve because we believe it's not very well served in the current market of kind of products available or approaches available for schools. Um, you know, essentially, we're quite flexible as to how we do that. You know, we, we talk a lot to customers who try to understand their pain points, their challenges, and then we try to work on ways in which we can help them uh, to solve those. And it's got, you've got to have a very customer-focused approach in order to be successful, I think. Yeah. And you're currently in how many countries? Well, we have users in well over 100 countries. Okay. So that's kind of what we think about. And, uh, you know, sort of paying customers that are using the full elements of Hobble in, in something like 10 different countries. Okay. And are there any countries where the users have very different um, uh, wants or needs than the UK users? 
Um, it's a good question. I think every country has slightly different approaches to how they want to do things. And one of the challenges is, is to build a platform that's flexible that can kind of cater to those. Mm -hmm. um, what's lovely about Pobble is it's all, a lot of it is user-generated content. Mm -hmm. So on Pobble, children are sharing their writing with the world. And so actually as a teacher, you can choose to uh, you know, create whatever type of writing you want, whether you're doing poetry or whether you're basing it on the UAE National Day, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and share that work online. So that's really helped us because we haven't had to be too specific around curriculum, around subjects. We can allow users to kind of generate their own content and build their own communities in their own countries. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think that's a real challenge is you, you have to, on the one hand, technology allows everything to be very global, but on the other hand, you have to make sure that you're customizing to the individual kind of cultures of, uh, of the individual countries that you're, that you're trying to target. Mm -hmm. And do you do a lot of travel in your work or can you do most of it from your base in England? Well, it's a mix. Uh, Simon at the moment is out in Qatar working in Qatari schools. You know, uh, we're going back out to Dubai in two weeks' time. So, uh, yeah, we end up, we, we certainly do a reasonable amount of travel. Um, but, of course, we try to do as much as we can, um, support kind of online and, and, and providing video and that sort of thing. So it's really a balance. I think you have to be there, though, in order to make, uh, you know, make markets work. You can't do everything remotely. And it's interesting that we find a lot of young entrepreneurs at the moment have young families, yet the time demands of starting up a company is very, very difficult. Uh, and the need for headspace and uh, the ability to be flexible, as you're saying, how have you found the challenge of starting an edtech company and having a young family at the same time? <laughs> well, the, the time element is definitely challenging and the sleep element, and, you know, et cetera. Um, but it's interesting. I think having a child or, you know, my, my, young, my oldest is now four years old and she's beginning to really, you know, engage at school and start looking at writing and, and reading and all those sorts of things. And I think it's made me a better entrepreneur for having, um, having had children because, well, one, obviously, I'm thinking all the time about their education. I'm thinking, well, what are the tools that, you know, she would need and how would she respond to Bobble, for example? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I definitely think about it from that perspective. Um, but also, it, you, you become less uh, selfish when you, have, when you have children. You realize that there's a lot more to, you know, it kind of broadens your perspectives and your horizons. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as you grow as a professional person, that's the whole journey of, of your professional life is growing as a person, having more perspectives, being able to think differently about things. And those skills are absolutely helpful in, uh, you know, in, the, in the entrepreneurial world as well. Mm -hmm. Have you any advice for edtech entrepreneurs looking to start a new company? I think the, the key thing is to really understand what your customers need, um, whether that's parents or schools or anything else. Um, but you can't, you, there's no shortcut uh, to kind of, um, you know, to knowing the requirements of, of your customers than actually speaking to them all the, all the time. Um, it was interesting. We at one point hired a, a couple of people to help us with sales and it didn't really work out mm -hmm. uh, for a number of different reasons. And at that point, I, as the sort of founding CEO, decided that I would take over sales for Bobble. Yeah, <clears throat> And this was one of the best things I ever did because 
what it did is it forced me to go and speak to head teachers and school leaders all the time about the value proposition of Pobble, about um, you know, the pricing, how, how we sell it, how we market it, all those things. Mm-hmm. And initially, it was really, really hard because it was very difficult to make sales. But <laughs> over time, I was able to actually understand why. And I was un- able to understand what people were thinking when uh, you know, they were looking to potentially engage with a product like Pobble. And so that, and now I still you know, run sales you know, for, for Pobble. I, I wouldn't hand that over. And so I would say that to any sort of you know, entrepreneurs just starting out. It's like, you have to be the one in front of customers, uh, selling your product, delivering your product, because you have to hear that feedback firsthand. Mm-hmm. There's no shortcut to, to getting that. It's interesting. I hear that so many times. We made the same mistake ourselves in our company, whereby once we got a bit of traction, the first thing we did was go out and hire expensive salespeople. And yep. uh, it didn't work very well. Back to, back to us outselling again. Um, why do you think that is? Because I think until you're, there are different stages of a company, right? And, and, only once you've absolutely nailed the value proposition mm-hmm. for your customers and you know exactly how to communicate that value to your customers, mm-hmm. um, only then is it possible to have somebody else actually come in and learn that from you and scale that up. Um, and, you know, Pobble, we're still not even at that stage. We're still developing that proposition, refining it a little bit more, knowing exactly what types of customers are the most applicable, you know, who really needs Pobble uh, to help them. Um, and so it, it's, just, it's just a phase thing. Like I think at the beginning, for the first few years, you as the entrepreneur have to be doing all of that work in mm-hmm. front of your customers. Only once you get to a much later stage are you able to scale that up with uh, people from the outside coming in and learning what you've learned in a very structured way and scaling that up. Um, now, I know that you have venture capital backing you at the moment. Can you tell me how that process went? Was it a good experience, a difficult experience? Well, I think fundraising in general is it's a challenging experience. I think what it does, though, is it forces you to ask many of the questions that investors sensibly ask you, like, for example, you know, how are you going to sell in schools? Well, you know, th- those sorts of things are really important questions to ask, and they're, and they're basically highlighting the risks. So we found um, fundraising, in a way, to be a, a tough experience from the perspective that it forced us to ask the tough questions of ourselves, but actually a very good experience because it's also then forced us to kind of actually overcome those things and, un- and really unpick you know, those assumptions that we make about the business that sometimes you can't see. Um, and we have, a, we have a fantastically supportive set of investors. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, a, you know, actually quite a large mix. We have a lot of angels as well. We did a crowdfunding oh. round very early on. Um, and yeah, they, they've been incredibly helpful to us on the journey. And did you have to talk to a lot of different venture capitalist agencies before you finally landed well, we, we, so most of our backing is, is by angels, but some of those angels are representing VCs. Okay. And yeah. It's kind of more, yes, we technically, we have a, a venture capitalist on our, on our cap table, but it's not quite as traditional as, uh, you know, going out to VC companies and kind of pitching Pobble. Okay. Um, and I think, uh, but, but I think that's really helped because what it means is that we're really connected with the individuals 
that have believed in our mission and our and our vision and want to support us in you know in achieving what we want to achieve. Um, because I think it, you know education as an industry is relatively slow moving. Yeah. Um, you know, VC VC money is sometimes looking for faster moving, higher risk. Um, you know, ventures that could grow very quickly to a very large scale. Whereas I think the VCs really in education are uh, probably a little bit more patient. They understand that there are different things that are going to lead to success. You know, getting evidence that demonstrates your uh, solution provides impact in schools is absolutely key for scale. But that takes sometimes a couple of years to show. You know, you can't start with Pobble and next week know that it's impacting on writing. You actually have to see that over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so that, that's an example of why, you know, education VCs, I think, are a little bit more uh, patient with their capital. And what's next for Pobble? Well, 2019 is, a, is really quite an exciting year for us. We're, you know, it's already kicked off in a very exciting way. We've got uh, you know, lots of new school kind of groups coming on board, which is fantastic. Um, but we also have some really exciting partnerships that are you know, hopefully going to really help us to scale into new markets um, and you know, scale much faster, which is, which is just really exciting for us. Um, we, we sort of launch our, our, our next, we call it, you know, Pobble version three, the next version of Pobble uh, in the coming months again. And that has, uh, you know, a whole kind of revised architecture. It's much more modern. It's easier to optimize. There's lots of reasons why that makes a lot of sense from kind of back-end development perspective. But it's also going to provide a whole load of sort of newly refined features for schools, which, again, we're really, really excited about based on all the kind of feedback we've had and testing, et cetera. Um, so it's, yeah, really exciting time for us. We're, we're looking forward to growing further, working with more schools in the UK, and obviously growing our reach into new countries. We've added, you know, schools from sort of Kuwait, uh, Greece, Malaysia, you know, all in the last few months. So, yeah, it's really exciting to see those hubs beginning to grow out. Excellent. And I suppose there's a bit of a side question, but how do you see the future of schools being different when your children are in secondary school, for example, so in 10 years? Well, I think that we are... We went through a period where people talked a lot about technology and how it was going to revolutionize schools and, and, uh, you know, it was all about the tech. (laughs) And over the last couple of years, we've come back to what we've always believed and always supported as actually it's all about the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, teachers are the most important kind of part of this whole, uh, you know, uh, of education. And the best companies, I think, are going to be the companies that support the teacher and empower them to do what they do, but even better, mm-hmm. um, and or in a you know even more exciting way. And that's what that's what tech can can do. It can be an enabler for teachers uh, to make their lives easier and, and enable them to sort of do more and. And so <clears throat> I think that actually it won't, look, it won't look hugely different to what it looks like now, except that you're going to have <clears throat> you know, teachers using technology to support them even more in their teaching. And I think that can make the classroom you know, even more exciting. Pobble, for example, allows a child in Nigeria, if they are doing a piece of work uh, about the Amazon rainforest, they can go onto Pobble, they can search for bits of work written by people in Brazil Mm. about the Amazon. 
And how exciting is that? You know, a six-year-old is able to see what another six-year-old has written in their project about the Amazon and then leave, obviously, structured and moderated, um, but comments and feedback on that piece of work. And that connection is so exciting for the children. And that's just one example of, uh, you know, the way that technology can enhance a classroom. But again, it's all about the teachers being able to do what they do even better. Excellent. And John, where can we find more information about Pobble and you? Um, so the best place is just to go to pobble.com, P-O-B-B-L-E.com. And from there, as a teacher, you can kind of sign up for a free account. So that gives you access to, uh, you know, have a look around and, and see some of, the, uh, some of the amazing bits of writing that people are sharing from all over the world. We've got lots of great resources to help with the teaching of writing. Um, so, yeah, go to pobble.com, sign up and you'll very quickly be able to uh, get a feel for, for what we're working on. You can always email me. I'm just john, J-O-N, at pobble.com. So if anyone else is interested and they'd like to know more, um, they're, they're welcome to reach out. Thanks very much, John. Thanks for listening to The Future of Schools with Connor Flynn. If you like our show and want to know more about The Future of Schools or Adaptomy, check out www.adaptomy.com or leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. 